Thank you. So we're just going to welcome our panelists. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Why don't you guys, you, know, you don't need to stand on the sideline. Why don't you just come here and I'll, and I'll, I'll give you some introduction. This is, this is Heather Brown. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Let's, let's give it up for Heather. Um, Heather, Heather is, we know Heather. She's somewhat part of the Red X family because of Kent. And, uh, and they've been working aggressively in real estate for a while now. And really, Red X is what gave them the confidence to go out and even have a real estate career. This is Mike Sherrard. Give it up for Mike. And, and I'm intentionally leaving a short intro because I think you guys telling your story is part of the fun of what you're doing here. So, but Mike is from Canada. He's from Calgary, Alberta. And Mike has been doing real estate for a while. He's a top, um, one of the top 30 realtors on social media. He, he is one of the realtors that ha doesn't have to prospect as aggressively as a lot of our customers because he's built such a, a sphere of influence that gives him sustainable business. And we're going to hear more about that later. So we want to welcome both of these guys here. Thank you so much for making it. Um, Racer, if a lot, of, a lot of you met Racer yesterday, um, is uh, currently in a hospital in Timpanogos. And we don't really know why. They're uh, going to figure that out. So make sure you send some positive thoughts that way. But uh, just to tell you a little bit about Racer, if, if, did anybody get to meet Racer? See Racer running around yesterday? Um, Clark, you signed Racer up. And he wanted to give you a hug. Uh, that was his whole point today coming. So, yeah, he is a good man. Um, he came to us with his last $1,500 on his credit card after not making a single dollar in real estate in five months. Um, he said that uh, he said we're a praying family, and he'd been praying for a miracle. And he attended a class that was able to uh, teach him about expires and fizzbos. He got online. Um, in one story, he told us the reason why one of the one of the reason why he liked Red X because he likes red, um, and uh, and that was a better color than some of the competitors. He didn't like orange, so he uh, he ended up signing up. Uh, the story he tells is that Clark would not let him get off the phone, and um, so he finally signed up, and uh, and then within what what did he what were his numbers last night? Yeah, well that. Well, that first day prospecting at half a million dollars in listings, and I think in the first 30 or 40 days, it was $12 million in, in, in booked business. So, you know, he's got a pretty cool story. You know, hopefully he can join us. But today we're going to focus on Mike and Heather. We've got Mark. Give it up for Mark, everybody. <laughs> and and uh, we're, this, this, this is pretty casual. Um, they're going to tell some stories. If you have a question, uh, there'll be time for questions. So make sure you jot those down so you don't you don't lose that thought. Um, and uh, and we'll go from there. This feels super casual up here, by the way. So um, hey, I think we need to give uh, Curtis and Justin and the marketing team a huge round of applause. They've been working really hard to organize this uh, customer panel here today. And there's been a ton of effort that's gone into it. So yeah, give it up for them.
So Curtis said this, I'm going to repeat it, but the main reason why we did this is because we like to connect everybody in the company to our clients. And all too often, um, we get used to sitting in our our normal day-to-day roles. And depending on where you work within the company, um, you tend to get a certain focus uh, in terms of your interaction with customers. So if you're in sales, you tend to be focused on working with prospective clients, right? If you're in support, you tend to work with clients who are dealing with problems or challenges. If you're on product, you might get to interact with more clients as they're evaluating early phases of the product. But rarely do we, we get to connect with our clients and hear a lot of the success stories and how the work that each of us is doing is making a difference in their life. And that's part of what we're, we're trying to get out of this experience um, today. So um, years and years ago, when um, we first uh, did the, when we did our very first customer panel, it was motivated um, by us seeing people within the company really not have the level of respect and uh, empathy that we felt like they should have for our clients. Um, one of the things we say online on our, our website is real estate is hard. Um, and I think a lot of times uh, it's easy to take it for granted. Um, there's low barriers to entry to become a real estate agent. So there tends to be a lot of people that jump into that space. And, and when you hear a high commission uh, dollar amount, it's easy to go, wow, you know, like, well, I'd love to go get that commission. And it seems easy. Lots of people are there. But people who genuinely go in and commit and, uh, and try to do real estate day to day, I think they end up finding out that there's a more challenging uh, reality out there. And uh, so we're super excited to have Mike and Heather with us today. Um, and our thoughts are with uh, Racer, who's not feeling so good. Um, but we're excited to hear about your stories. And that's really what we want to get out of uh, this session today. Um, like Curtis says, I think this is going to be casual in the sense that uh, as we listen and hear some of their stories, I'm going to be trying to ask him some questions. But if you end up having a burning question that comes out of um, you listening to the story, just put your hand up. And if I look at you and acknowledge you, then um, I'll, I'll get to your question here in a little bit. OK. So uh, I think we're going to start ladies first, Heather. And um, I would just like to give you some time and, and have you share your experience. Um, what were you doing before real estate? What got you into real estate? And how has Red X made a difference in your career and in your life? Yeah. So um, how both Kent and I even found out about Red X is, is pretty fun. Um, so I used to manage Goldsmith Company Jewelers in Provo. And I was pregnant. And I, had, I was going to have my son. And so I quit. And Kent was working at a job. He wasn't making very good money. And when he got his first paycheck when I wasn't working, we are just like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. We need to find a new job. And so I wanted to be at home with our son. And we actually lived in condos just right, right off of Geneva. And so we've seen Red X. We've seen the building before. And Kent's like, you know what? I'm just going to go apply at Red X. I'm just going to walk in and so he got a suit on, he got a resume, and he came in, and he asked to speak to the sales manager. So he asked to speak to Tyler. And he was just like, how can I get a job here? And after a lot of follow-up and persistency, and I'm sure all you guys know Kent, that he doesn't stop until he gets it. So he, uh, he kept 
talking to Tyler, and after a while, he, he got the job. So he started working. I was a stay-at-home mom, and then he would go to Mike Ferry events. He would go to just talking to real estate agents all the time, and he was just like, man, these real estate agents are making so much money, and we could be doing more. And so we just kept talking, and we had a friend who was in real estate, and he brought up... Um, he's like, yeah, you guys should do real estate. Heather, you can do the administrative stuff and Kent can do the prospecting. And um, as we were getting our license, I was like, you know what? I don't want to just do administrative stuff. I want to be out there. I want to grind. And so we got licensed back in summer of 2018 and we signed up for coaching. And Kent was like, you realize that with coaching, it's prospecting. And I had never cold called. I am not one to get on the phone and call people. And he's like, so you're gonna have to cold call. And we have Red X, so this is Red X. Because before that, I didn't, honestly wasn't sure what Red X did. I wasn't familiar with it. So he's like, okay, this is it. Here's the scripts, have at it. And so I went into the office and I was so nervous. I was so nervous to dial the phone because I'd never done it, ever. So I get on the phone and I just hit dial. Just like, okay, I'm doing expired listings. I'm just gonna go with the hardest one first and just get thrown into it. They yell at me, whatever. So I started going through expired and I was just reading the script word for word. Probably sounded terrible. I know I sounded terrible. And then I had my objection handlers over here. And um, I don't know how many calls in, but I got an appointment. And I don't, I mean, I just followed the script. and. When he gave me an objection, and I was like, uh, objection handlers, uh, and like tried to find the objection handler. It was so choppy. Anyway, I got the appointment, and I went on the appointment. It was for a half million dollar home, and I got the listing. And it was, it was the first day, and I was like, oh my gosh, this really worked. This, this whole prospecting thing works. So we listed it. We went under contract a week later, and that one appointment, that one phone call, led to $30,000 commission in mine and Kent's pockets. And it was just like, oh my gosh, okay. Yeah, prospecting is scary and it's hard, but it works. And so then- the You next, walked away going, this is easy. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And then the next day you get on the phone and you don't get an appointment with a half million dollar listing. You're like, okay, well, this is kind of hard. And then you keep going and there's days where it's not that easy. It really is not easy. and so it just started coming down to, okay, I'm not getting a listing every time I call, but the more I call, the more chances I am of getting a listing. And so it comes down to being consistent. It comes down to, yeah, prospecting, it's hard and it's scary and you have to hit dial and, and call random people who may get mad at you, but in the end, it pays off. Honestly, this product, it's without this, so I was telling Hannah and Justin, I said, without this product, we would not be doing real estate just because I don't know how, I'm not patient enough to go find my own leads. I'm not patient enough to do all that. And so with Red X, it makes it easy to just go in and hit dial and that's who you're calling. That's, I don't know. It's just, I wouldn't be in real estate without Red X. So your experience is really uh, different in the sense that most real estate agents don't start off. And I think Mike's is actually gonna be similar this way, but most, most agents don't start off prospecting day one. And, and so I guess I'm curious, have you, um, and I know you work in a Mike Ferry office, right? Mm -hmm. 
have you met other agents who have been in the industry a long time and and have sort of gone through that that struggle of trying to find consistent business yeah. and and do they talk to you and and ask you about it i mean do you have you gotten some sense for how much different your experience has been starting in real estate than other people's yeah it's actually it's pretty crazy because ken and i have been so lucky to first of all be introduced to red x the way that we were i mean it wasn't the way that we were introduced introduced to real estate in general was through the mike ferry program which is a lot of going out and finding business and with red x i mean it's all about prospecting so that's kind of what i figured that's what i put real estate together with was oh you have to prospect in order to do real estate so when i talk to other agents who don't it's kind of it's weird it's different for me to be like oh wait you don't how do you get business how do you i don't know how you would get business without prospecting. and what do they say well, they're the one, they don't get business. I mean, they, they, they're the, what are, what are they called, Kent? The one deal Nellies is what we call them in our office. They just, they don't. And that's why a lot of people quit is because they go into real estate and they see these, these high producing agents who are making a lot of money, but they don't realize the work that goes into making that money. And the fact that you have to go out, you have to, to create your business, and Kent and I have been talking about this a lot is, and we even talked about this the other day, that real estate is a business. It's not, you don't just go and just make calls and you're all of a sudden gonna have all these clients. No, you have to get clients, you have to nurture clients, and then you have to put them into your sphere, and then that's gonna be where your business is. So I love that Red X is, it's helping you create that business. And so without prospecting, how would you create a business? We wonder the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you a different question. Um, how many people in the room are in the support team? How many of you guys feel like you deal with nothing but fires all day? Nobody? It's okay? Okay, so I, I ask that because oftentimes, uh, you know, support is dealing with clients who are struggling with the app, they're either struggling to figure it out or they've encountered some problem with it. And I'm certain you've never had a problem with our system since you've used it. Um, but talk to me a little bit about your mindset. You're in an office where everybody relies on, on these systems. It's not like a minor part of your business, it's a major part, right? So if there's an outage, if something goes wrong with the system, um, what would you do and, and kind of what are your expectations for Red X? So honestly, okay, so real quick, the people who are probably calling you who are upset are probably the agents who are looking for an excuse not to prospect. Because I find that I hate prospecting so much when I try to find excuses not to do it, if that makes sense. The days that I just go in and dial, like this isn't bad, the days that I go in and I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to prospect. Oh, it's being super slow today. Oh, well, maybe if I do this, then I feel like they're just trying to find excuses not to do the work. And so I think if they understand that, yeah, prospecting, it's not easy. But if you do it, you're going to see results. So, I mean, if the system goes out, then is that what you're talking about? If it goes out? Yeah. So and, and part of it is. I kind of want you to set expectations with our team members on what that impact looks like for you. So um, if all of a sudden our system was out for a couple days, I mean, 
how impactful is that to you? And, and uh, yeah, if you, if you ended up on the phone with us, help, help give us an understanding of, of why that matters so much. So the reason why that matters is because if you're not consistently prospecting, you're not consistently getting people into your database. You're not consistently getting leads. So it costs us money when we're not calling people, when we're not prospecting, because prospecting is when we make our money. And so if the system is down or we're, we're having issues with it, that's really where our money is coming from, is that prospecting. So one of the things I love that you shared was the, that mindset around dollars per hour earned, right? While prospecting, is that something you track? Yeah, yeah, so we track that. And that's honestly been a motivation to get us on the phone. Right. Prospect is, okay, if we want this kind of money, this is where we're going to earn it is by calling. So if, if you are an avid prospector and you know that every hour that you're on the phone, you're making 250 to $500 an hour, something like that, and the system stops working, that you've got 250 to 500 reasons to pick up the phone and get really angry at somebody at Red X, right? With the hope that that's going to somehow get that system back online, right? Um, so, and I think that's important for us to understand. I think it's easy um, sometimes to think, oh, well, you know, there's a workaround or there's a way to figure it out. But um, at that kind of a dollar per hour, you, you don't want workarounds, right? You just want the system to work. So, um, okay, so uh, how long have you been in real estate now? So, year and a half, summer of 2018 is when we started. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, Talk to me about, again, often we talk to agents and they started off for several years never prospecting. And then the transformation is, wow, I became a prospecting agent and my life changed. Um, you started off in this business. Uh, you've been prospecting um, consistently. Has, has um, since day one when you got a, a $30,000 or $500,000 commission um, listing, and then you were able to sell that. Since that day one, you've now experienced the down days where things get a little bit harder. Um, tell me how hard is real estate? You know, is it harder than people think? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, and <laughs> explain that. So Kent and I, when we got into it, I mean, again, we, we go to an office that it's a lot of top producers in Utah and so I think going into it, we saw that and we're like, that's going to be us. If we're around them, if we're doing what they're doing, which, yeah, if we are doing what they're doing, we're going to be at that level. But, and we talked to Curtis about this yesterday. Um, we went in with the expectations that we were going to be where these agents are who have been in the industry for 35 years, that who have been in the industry for 15 years. So when we went in, we're like, yeah, we're new, but we're also going to be on the same level as them. And so it was kind of, it was a good slap in the face to just start prospecting and hearing these no's and hearing and not getting listing appointments that we go on because it's like, oh wait, there's more involved in real estate than just, than just prospecting, I guess. There's, it's more of a, um, a business. And so prospecting is a huge part, but there's also a lot more to it that I don't think Kent and I realized going into real estate. And we thought, yeah, we're going to go in, we're going to make all this money our first year and the first day when I got that listing I was like oh yeah this is easy but then 
yeah, you have your down days and you have a lot of down days. And it's all about that consistency and keeping up. And what we've learned, a big thing that we've taken from our brokerage is when you get a listing appointment, don't celebrate, get another one. It's a constant, just, you got to just keep grinding and keep going. Cause as soon as you stop, then your business also stops. So, um, talk to me about the combination of like skills and discipline. I think a lot of agents, they, again, you know, you get a quick win, you get a listing, you sell something. I mean, in fact, I think there's a lot of agents who start off in the industry and they get that first hit, uh, sell, and that's sort of this drug, right? That, that gets them going. That seemed like easier money. And then after that, they, they can't line up the second deal. And I'm talking non-prospecting agents typically. But I think a lot of people falsely look at high-producing agents and say to themselves, oh, they can do it, I can do it. But there's a huge gap between skills, it seems like, and discipline. Um, talk to me about that, elaborate. What are the skills that, that you've had to learn to develop or are still developing and, and what does discipline really look like? And maybe you feel like you're, you've already reached that mark already in certain areas or describe some of these other top producing agents and what does discipline in their mind look like? So I think it comes down to a schedule. I think that's, I mean, the biggest thing is creating a schedule and following it. So you have your prospecting time, prospect in that time. Don't do other things during that time. Um, and just being, I guess, being disciplined when you prospect. Don't check your email. Don't get on Facebook. Don't do different things like that. Like, focus on what you're scheduled to be doing throughout the day. And my schedule is a little bit different than Kent's because I also am at home. So I need to be disciplined that, okay, at 2 o'clock, this is what I'm doing when my kids are down for a nap. This is what I'm doing when the kids go to bed, I need to get on our CRM, I need to do this. So it's a matter of having a plan, but then creating systems to get to the end result of your plan. So does that so make sense? It, it does, but it sounds easy. It's not. No, Why? it's not. <laughs> it's easier said than done because things come up. I mean, you get to the office and you hear people talking, you don't want to prospect, you'd rather go talk to someone else. You don't want to sit on the phone for three hours so you wander around. It's hard to, to stay in an office and prospect for three, three and a half hours. It's hard to, okay, my kids are down, I'm gonna work because you want to do other things, but you have to be disciplined in order to be successful. Okay, and what about skills? Like what are the skills that you had no idea you needed day one? Mm -hmm. um, that, that you've been focused on developing and, and what are the things that you look at with some of these, these great examples you've got in your office and you say, wow, you know, that's still an area I'm... Yeah, Every, so we have a coach through the Mike Ferry organization, which has been so helpful because we role play scripts. We role play the listing appointment. We're preparing 90% of the time and then we're performing that 10% of the time. So a lot of real estate is preparing for it. We're preparing our listing appointment. We're preparing our um, scripts. We're preparing, it's almost, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Um, but every time we have a, a call with our coach, it resets us and realizes, okay, we need to improve on our listing appointment. When we talk to our broker, we need to improve on um, 
how we interact with people. We need to improve on how we sit. I mean, there's every little detail in real estate that we can constantly be improving on and, and skills. And so it's not just talking on the phone. It's how we present ourselves, how we dress, how we interact with others, how we hold ourselves during a listing presentation. So there's always room for improvement. And when you look at these top level producers, and we've gone on um, listing appointments with Jean, it's just, you see how her skills are just perfection in our eyes. And so we're gonna be constantly working to get to that point. Awesome. Okay, I'm gonna shift gears to Mike now, give you a break for a minute. So, okay, Mike, um, which hockey team do you, uh, do you root for? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> on camera, I'll say the Flames. Okay, <laughs> that's a good answer. Off camera, what do you say? Canucks. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so um, tell us a little bit about your story again. You, um, yeah, start with uh, what you were studying in school and this crazy path that led you to real estate and, and then connect it back to us and, and how we got working with you. Yeah, definitely. So I'll try and give you guys the Coles notes of this story so you're not bored to death. Um, so I took two degrees in three years at university. I took mechanical engineering and something called technology management and entrepreneurship. When I graduated, I moved across Canada from New Brunswick to Calgary and started working as an engineer. I was working in the engineering management group. I like dealing with people, unlike a lot of engineers. And, you know, after the first year, I got recognized as one of the top employees of 60,000 in the company. So they sat me down with the managers of our office and said, where would you like to go in the company? And I said, oil and gas sales. I like commission. I like drive. I like challenge. I like pressure. And they said, okay, no problem. All it's going to take is seven years behind a computer doing technical work. Now, I was very ignorant when I was young in the sense that I like exotic cars and thought when I'm going to be a mechanical engineer, I'm going to design Lamborghinis in a wind tunnel. <laughs> And when I realized that it's dragging pumps on a computer screen, I kind of lost my passion. So after getting recognized as an up and coming employee, realizing that it's not gonna get me to where I wanna be, around that same time, I was actually buying my own property in Calgary. And I realized that the quality of the agents I was working with wasn't that high. You know, on possession, they handed me the keys, the, the house was dark, I never heard from them again. They were trying to pigeonhole me into properties that I didn't like. But also through watching videos of, you know, people that are in your company, Greg McDaniel, things like that, I realized that a lot of the agents in the States were doing stuff that people in Canada weren't. So I kind of saw an opportunity to get out of a corporate job, get into something where I can test myself, learn sales, learn techniques, and, you know, maybe get paid uh, accordingly. So I quit engineering and got into real estate. Um, I got into real estate spring of 2017 uh, when I was 24 years old. I didn't know anybody. I wasn't from that city. I had no sales experience. Um, so I'll tie it all back in with Red X. But long story short, my first year of, of uh, uh, real estate, I ended up becoming a top producer in my city, uh, ranked top 30 realtor in the world on social media, um, featured on podcasts, things like that around the world. And it, it just blew up from there. Um, so it's been a really incredible journey so far getting to this point. Um, now, tying back to Red X and first listings, again, when I was knew that I was leaving engineering, 
I really didn't care about my job and actually doing anything at work. So while I was at work, I was actually just watching YouTube videos about other real estate agents. And uh, all of them were from the States because I really admired the fact that you guys down here are ahead of the curve compared to where we are in Canada. And one consistent theme that I saw with all the top guys in the States was they were cold calling and they were door knocking. But I never heard of that up in Canada because I think they're just kind of nonchalant up there enjoying the mountains and doing their best life. It's also pretty cold <laughs> in the winter, right? It's pretty cold in the winter. So to tie that in, the very first day I was licensed, I went out after work, uh, minus five in the snow, in the pitch black, and I door knocked until I couldn't feel my hands anymore. So I couldn't write down any more contact information. I got two listings, $700,000 a piece the first night I was uh, licensed. Within the first You two can give him a round of applause for that. <laughs> he couldn't feel his fingers at the time. As I kind of mentioned, I'm now at a point in my business where I can really dial into my sphere of influence, but using the Red X and prospecting was what entirely allowed me to build the foundation of my business to the point where now in, in parallel with social media, um, it's basically predictable and on autopilot just by servicing the people that you guys help me get. So, um, yeah, that's amazing. So help us understand a little bit, um, share a little bit about what you're doing with social media and how you've been able to leverage, um, yeah, the foundation that, that you got started with in real estate yeah. and, and what you're doing uniquely up in Calgary. Yeah. So before I was a licensed realtor, I didn't have social media. Honestly, I thought people that were taking selfies were beyond pretentious and I didn't want any part of that. But again, by watching... We agents, all took a selfie last night. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I might have taken a few. But to be honest, again, watching agents in the States, I saw the ones that were crushing it were actively using social media because at 24 years old of age, you know, in a new city, not knowing anyone, how was I going to get myself out there? I had to prospect was one way I could do it by putting the boots on the ground or putting the Bluetooth headphone on or and using social media. And those were the only two ways I could build a sphere from not having any because I was too young. The average price point in our city is too high for people our age to buy. Um, and I didn't know anyone, so I had to go out and build that sphere. So I downloaded Instagram the day I got my license, and I knew nothing what I was doing. My first photo was my headshot. My second photo was a photo I took from Google. It was a set of stairs with motivational quotes on them, and I Photoshopped my logo onto it. <laughs> and that was my second photo, and that's what I did. But then I started learning the power of it. And ironically, when we were doing the podcast this morning, what I was explaining to Justin was, a lot of my business comes from Instagram, people direct messaging me because they saw the hustle of how I was using the Red X and door knocking. And what I mean by that is you look at top entrepreneurs out there and they talk about document, don't create. People think, as we talked about, that it's a walk in the park to be a realtor. They think that you can just walk in there. We've got communities in our city that average price points $2 million. They think, hey, I'm going to go list that, get 30 grand, and I'm good, right? That's not the case. But people don't know that's not the case. They think our commission is too high because they see we list it and it gets sold, but they don't see that it took six months of hell to get that listing, Right. So um, what I wanted to do is show people behind the scenes of who we truly are and the effort that goes into this business. 
Also, we, me, like myself, I should say, our city is the worst market currently in North America. So only 30% of homes actually sell that get listed. So I wanted to show people that not only does it require hard work and diligence and persistence to do well in real estate, but you can do well when the economy sucks. And there's no excuses to blame an external force when you can still succeed. So every time I picked up the phone to dial, I took a selfie in my office and I, or I recorded a video and I shared with people, you know, maybe something funny that someone said to me, did I get a savage rejection? People loved hearing about that because they thought it was comedic. Did I actually get an awesome listing appointment? People love to hear about that because they saw that my efforts were getting rewarded and it was becoming the fruits of my labor. So it was a great way to document using your platform to get success, but also build credibility through my hard work. Same with door knocking. I use Instagram a lot for door knocking. I've got a bright purple BMW um, and I would door knock different communities. You can, when you're tagging on Instagram and putting your location, you can put the location of a community. So every time I would go out and door knock, I would take a selfie of me holding my flyers, my purple car in behind, and I would tag the community. And because I got so much engagement, I would show up first on every community page. So people started getting familiar with me to the point that the last time I door knocked a community, a 57-year-old woman answered the door. I've got purple shoelaces on all my dress shoes. And she looked down at my shoes and said, are you the guy that drives that purple car? And I'm like, yes. She's like, oh my God, I follow you on Instagram and I see all your stuff. Like you, you do this, 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 and this. I'm like, you're 57. And she's like, yeah, I, you know, so from a little design cue, but it's by sharing the journey, right? And something I love about prospecting is because not a lot of Canadian agents are doing it, it was really easy to stand out. And I had, I was calling people that were saying, I'm the, they've lived there for 25, 30 years, saying I was the first agent to ever call them in their life. And I thought it was the only way. I didn't know any other way of real estate, but picking up the damn phone, putting the boots on the ground, and hustling for it. Okay, so, so to restate, your social media strategy has been, in part, sharing your journey as an agent with everybody within your community. And, and you're saying that they have... That, that has helped them maybe develop more empathy for what you do, number one, and, and helped communicate the value of what you offer to them? Yeah, so, you know, it's, at the end of the day, why do we like shows like Million Dollar Listing and Selling Sunset? We like it because we get to see behind the scenes of what goes on in real estate. Hmm. The problem is in Utah and in Calgary, there's no million dollar listing. So who's going to be the agent that's going to show people what actually happens? I decided it was going to be me, right? So I wanted to show people the wins, the losses, the failures, the journey. And by doing that, they actually felt like they were a part of me. I, I see people at the mall, they come up to me and they'll bring up something I posted on my story that I forgot a year ago, right? But also it gave credibility in terms of my work ethic because... So Go yeah, ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, one, one thing that was humbling for me is I go to bed at midnight. I wake up at four every day. I do that because that's my lifestyle. Now, there's a woman that direct messaged me last year. She had a $1.5 million house to sell, wanted to buy a $2 million house. Ironically, her husband's the top commercial agent in Calgary 
who's best friends with the majority of top realtors. She direct messaged me saying that she wants me to list her house and help them buy a house. Because of my work ethic in this terrible market, she was seeing me knocking, calling, door knocking, and she said that if somebody's going to work that hard to get a listing, I can't imagine what they're going to do when they actually get it. That is awesome. Um, yeah, and she betrayed all of her husband's uh, connections and relationships in the process, right? Well, yeah, they ironically <laughs> just got a divorce, so I'm in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> I had no part in that divorce. Yeah, 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 to be clear. Um, so... Yeah, so that's amazing. So you're saying in, in a lot of ways, the work you're doing through social media, it's, it's creating a connection with the community and you. And, and part of prospecting, even door knocking, right? You're trying to build that connection, but you're trying to do it in a much shorter period of time while you're on their doorstep, while you're on the phone. Um, but social media seems like it's giving you this opportunity to uh, slowly nurture that relationship with people. And then you're finding that they're starting to reach out to you through direct message and stuff like that and target target you that way. Yeah, I think, you know, I thought it was the perfect blend as a new realtor. And I'm not saying the way I did it is the right way to do it. But for me, logically thinking, I said, well, you know, if I can predict numbers and I can say at least I can get in front and meet this many people per day, whether it be through calling or knocking, but also say I can blend that with new tech and 24-7 around the clock get in front of this many people, that's the perfect way to blend old school, old school traditional with new school modern and get business, right? And for me, one of the hardest things I found as an entrepreneur is accountability, right? When you don't have a boss, if I don't call, no one says anything about it. If I don't knock, no one says anything about it. So I play for pressure and I always believe that behind pressure is where great things happen. So I was always putting as much pressure on my shoulders as possible, which came by the way of calling. And I like, you know, oftentimes in videos, I like to draw parallels between fitness and business because I think there's a lot of both of those that attribute to each other. And I find cold calling is actually like a spin class. Nobody wants to go to spin. They hate their life. But when they get out of it, they feel like a million bucks. The way that I developed a love for calling and knocking was the fact that I hated it, right? The hardest car door, the hardest door is your car door in terms of getting out and knocking. Same with calling. The hardest phone to pick up is your own. So I started just making it about the rush and how well I felt after. Because as selfish as this sounds, after I finished calling for three hours and hitting my daily quota, I, I intuitively felt like I just outworked every agent in my city. And that was getting me one step closer to becoming a top producer. So I found this lust for outworking people and winning. And it came by dialing and knowing that subconsciously I was doing a, something a little bit extra that others weren't doing. So your business relies on a lot of underlying technology and systems, right? Uh, Red X is, is one part of that. But help me uh, or help us understand that pressure that you've created for yourself, that pressure to perform. How does that translate into expectations that you have for the companies you work with and and their ability to perform? Definitely. You know, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, maybe this is the detriment of myself, but a lot of the times we feel like everybody else thinks the same as us, right? And I find even with customer service or any company that I'm working with that I think, you know, if I'm working this hard, then others are too. So I always had exceptional standards for 
things like customer service and results to get back. But I started realizing that, you know, sometimes that's not always the case. But similar going back to the numbers, being an engineer, I run my business by the numbers and I identify when I'm either knocking or calling how much money I'm getting paid to put those hangers up or to make those phone calls. And that was a big motivator for me. So understanding that I might be losing money, that's a tough call to make for somebody that's competitive. Um, so largely it was having the expectations that if I'm paying you, you're helping me. And I had that expectation with any business that I work with that if I'm paying for the service, it should be performing. And if it's down, it should be quickly fixed. And I remember even the very minimal times I ever had to contact you guys, it was done like that. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, as an early realtor, it was the only platform I ever entertained. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that because, again, I think um, it's helpful for us to understand. I, I, I don't know how many of our support reps, when they get a phone call from one of our agents, thinks, I wonder if this guy studied two degrees and has a degree in mechanical engineering. <laughs> Right. And yet, you know, it could be that that that's the person that you're talking to. And the issue is not that they can figure it out or not figure out the problem. The issue is they expect the system to work um, and they shouldn't have to worry about it. Right. And so part of our challenge, I think, is ensuring that we're always providing that that high level of of customer experience and customer service so that that you can do the things that you need to do to be successful. Um Okay, so uh, can you share a little bit, Mike? You work with a lot of other agents too, and now yeah. you've got another part of your business where agents are coming to you for advice. Um, do you work with a lot of agents who, you know, uh, unlike Heather and Kent and your experience even, they've started off in real estate, and I, again, maybe help us understand what do they do to sort of survive because it's it's an enigma to us. They sort of seem to... To waffle through the industry for years, but do you work with some of these agents? And and when they come to you and say, "Look, I want to take my business to the next level," um, what advice do you give? And how do you view a company like Red X being able to help in that equation? I will not work with somebody that's not prospecting. Period. Because I believe that if you're not willing to get uncomfortable and do something that's proven to work, just because you're scared or nervous, that you shouldn't have a license. And I think a lot of people... So what you're saying is anybody who doesn't prospect shouldn't be a licensed real estate agent? I believe that if you're not willing to do the practice of the trade and do what's helped so many people, that you should have a license, but you're likely going to lose it naturally. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, one thing that I have to say is using things like Red X and door knocking, it's... It has taught me so much more as a human than just making, putting money in my pocket. What do you mean? It, when I was, before I was a realtor, I was not the most outgoing person. I also wasn't good at handling or steering conversations. I was not that persuasive. As an engineer? That's, as an, that's crazy. Yeah, what a shame. <laughs> <laughs> but I was lacking a lot of traits that help anybody in any business. And I found by using something like prospecting and getting comfortable, uncomfortable, and constantly being in a state where you have to think on your feet, it taught me so much more than I could ever imagine that will help me in relationships. Every, you know, every aspect of your life can learn from these types of situations. So I think it 
prospecting doesn't just put money in your pocket. It builds character as a human. And especially for any general entrepreneur, because these are these are traits that you cannot put a price on. If you can, you know, we are always selling. We everybody's selling. If you want to marry someone, you have to sell yourself to the other person, in theory, right? You are every single thing that you do is selling. And prospecting is one of the greatest ways to learn how to think on your feet, steer conversation, weigh it in your favor, and sell yourself to other people. So that's why it's something that I strongly recommend any agent do, even if they don't need to do it, just because it builds so much character in a human being. But for new agents that come to me, because I, for me on YouTube, I've got the number one video on how to get your license in Canada. So a lot of new agents watch that video, come to me, say, I'm becoming an agent in this uh, province, what should I do? And the number one thing I tell them to first do is if it's in the winter, I say, you know, get a Bluetooth phone, start calling. And if it's the summer, I say door knock when it's nice, cold call when it's not. Because I think as an agent, you need to consistently be building a pipeline and you need to do it with income producing activities, which as Heather alluded to is prospecting. And a lot of agents will see me and say, well, you know, I'd love to just post pictures and get business all day, but they don't understand how long it takes to build up the momentum to get to that point, right? And you need to build a foundation of any single business. And I firmly believe that it comes by prospecting. That's awesome. Let me ask a different question, and I kind of want both of you guys to answer on this. Um, I'm going to try to word this the right way, but, but in the U.S. economy, consumer spending is the number one economic driver of this economy, but real estate is number two. Um, which which is a pretty incredible thing, but it tends uh, it makes sense. It tends to be people's most valuable asset, right? It has a huge impact on uh, personal lifestyle, livelihood, everything. If, uh, if people make wise decisions or or are effective in their buying and selling and stuff, that's that can have a big impact on their life. Um, in your role, and you'll see in in a few more questions where I'm going with this, but I'm curious. Do you get a sense for that type of responsibility as you work with, with consumers and you're helping them transact in real estate, buying and selling? Um, do you get a sense that you're involved in a, in a really major part of their, their life and, and a major economic driver in the U.S. and Canada? Big time. You know, one thing that I always made a promise to myself is that I will treat my client's money like it's my money. And I find this is something that a lot of realtors fail with is, you know, for us in Calgary, if I'm going to list a property for $580,000, if we get an offer for five sixty, everybody's going to split the difference and go five seventy. Well, if I save them $1,500 and go to five seventy one five, just by negotiating harder, I just paid for their legal fees. And I always promise myself that I will never split the difference. And by doing that, I've built so much trust with clients. A lot of people think when you're working with a buyer's agent that it doesn't make the slightest difference. But by tracking, again, going back to numbers, by tracking the money that I save sellers and that I save buyers whenever they're buying or selling, um, I have stats that I can show of why it would be advantageous to work with me solely based on negotiation, right? So I think it's important to treat it like, 
it's you're, you're invested in that transaction because people worked extremely hard to get to that point. Um, and it's a big turning point in their life. Similarly, I think it's important to make the overall experience memorable, right? One of the things that tainted my buying experience was when I showed up on possession day, one of the two agents was there, gave me the keys, door, like house is cold, lights were off and never saw them again. So I started doing very lavish over the top things for every single client on possession day, regardless of what price point the home was, right? Whether it be 100,000 or uh, 1.1 million, they were gonna get a, an experience that they would never ever forget with me. Heather, what about you? Do you get the sense that like when you're working with consumers, that the work you're doing is is affecting them, could be affecting them in a major way. Um, and do you have any anecdotes or, you know, again, stories from people you've worked with? Yeah, absolutely. So actually the listing that we just took last night, um, I felt that way a lot. He was with a, a different um, company. And honestly, we were seeing that he was losing money because of what they were doing and different things like that. So going into that listing appointment, we approached it different. We approached it as in, we want to help you. We want to help you get the most money you can and as quickly as you can. And so I think a lot of times when we go into listing appointments, it's knowing we're actually going to help you. We're here to help you. And that I think that needs to be a, a mindset of real estate agents is, look, this is our profession, but we also want what's best for you and we are here to help. And I like what you said that you're, you want to make it a memorable experience for them. This is a huge deal there. I mean, real estate is one of the biggest investments that they have. And so you want to make it smooth. You want to make it a good experience for them. And I think people need real estate agents because they get too emotionally attached into a transaction. Whereas a real estate agent, I feel like we can be more level headed, but we also want what's best for our clients. So I feel like we have a better balance on dealing with the emotional, but also getting the, the deal closed. Okay. So something that, that you guys both have in common, uh, I get the impression both of you guys work in really top performing brokerages, right? Like, and, and you shared some stuff and maybe I'm extrapolating a little bit. Maybe you're uh, an outlier within your own brokerage, but I'm curious, you know, you hear stats like 80% of the transactions are done by 20%. What, how would you guys represent that number? Is that, do you think that's a fallacy that's out there or is there a minority of agents that are really driving the majority of the um, real estate transactions in, in the economy? What do you yeah, think about it? I truly think it's, it's the ones that, um, there's a small fraction of agents that make all the transactions and it's, it's the exact same in our brokerage is it 70 30 80 20 what would you if you had to guess yeah it's in in our brokerage it's closer to 80 20 um but but the cool thing if you if you look at who's behind that 20 that's making the 80 percent it's the ones that that took the liberty to embrace grit and build the foundation the right way all of them have door knocked before. All of them have cold called before. The ones that are making up the 80% know that that's what they need to do, but they're not willing to execute on that. And they're hoping that, you know, through networking that it's going to, they're going to meet the right person or doing this, but they're, they're not actively willing to get uncomfortable and put themselves out there. 
So it's a commonality and it's exactly why I picked up the Red X back when I did, knowing that everybody on YouTube was talking about the Red X and, and everybody on YouTube was talking about cold calling and these were people that were demonstrating strong results. And that's been a commonality amongst the 20%. They, they might not have to do that anymore because they've built up such a sphere of influence, but they did that to start. And I think a lot of people, when they look at, when they get into real estate, they, they look at top agents and say, what are you doing? The problem is, is they're asking, what are you doing now? What did you do to get there? And what not a lot of them want to tell you is that they worked tirelessly doing things they hate in order to get to that point. But the optics of real estate is that as a new agent, they want to do the fun stuff that they're doing now, not willing to put the grunt in to get to that point. So uh, I'm curious from your perspective in Utah, if, and again, I'm narrowing the market a little bit, but what do you think the, the percentage of agents are that drive the majority of the results? Is it 20% or is it even less? I would say it's less. Um, we talk about this all the time. We say there's about 3,500 licensed agents in Utah County, and there's about 60 who actually prospect, who actually go out and cold call and different things like that on a regular basis. And so with our office, we're held to a very high standard, and so we can't get away with not prospecting and not producing or else we can't be in our office. So sure. we're lucky that we're in that environment and it helps us keep on track, but a lot of brokerages, they don't have that. So one of the reasons I asked this is um, during the economic recession, which I think both of you guys joined after the recession, is that right? So. Uh, one of the big problems was the economy had this huge influx of properties. Uh, There's so many properties on market, things that were overvalued, uh, that weren't selling, that that became a major drag on the US economy. I think Canada was less affected by that. Um, but you talk about this minority of agents who are doing the majority of the transactions. And, and it seems like you guys describe most of those people as, as being hardworking grinder prospectors. And um, internally, we talk about what is the difference that we make. And uh, in, in uh, new employee onboarding, sometimes I talk about how we are driving that 5% or 10% of the real estate industry. Our clients are the best customers throughout the United States and Canada. They're the ones that are driving the majority of the transactions. And that's the second largest economic driver in, in both of these economies. Um, does that seem crazy uh, or, or do you feel like that's a, a reasonable representation of, of the type of clients that are buying Red X from, from the experience that you guys have looking at our clients online? I certainly think that's accurate. And something that you know, I love about the people that I did watch on YouTube that were using the Red X is they will be long-term clients because they see the value in it and they're getting the results from it, right? Because you're always going to have people with any business that are going to try it. They're going to not put the necessary effort into it and they're going to blame it on the platform. And they're going to say, you know, it, it just doesn't work. But the, the problem is, is that you guys have such a fantastic pro product that there's no excuse not to get results from it. It's always on the realtor if it's not working, right? But the ones that are of that small percentile are the ones that have calculated their numbers. They've seen the importance of it. They've tied metrics 
that are motivating and inspiring to what you guys offer. And that's what takes them to the top because when they can consistently execute on something that they can see visually in terms of a dollar value, that's when they start performing, right? And that's why they get to that point because they track everything and they tie some sort of performance metric to any tool or thing that they're using in their business. And that's why they rise to the top because they not only understand that in order to get good results from calling, you need to be consistent, but they understand that with every single aspect of their business. And by being consistent amongst their schedule or their prospecting or their health, wealth, fitness, everything, they understand that that's what's going to help them become a top performer in general, not just with one thing. It's awesome. So I have a question for people within sales and support. Um, how many of you guys can think of a time where you've had a client either open up and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling to make this work or I need some help. Um, does that ha happen often where you have clients almost um, asking for help on how to, how to be productive prospecting with our system? And, and can anybody think of a time where that's happened? She said she hadn't prospected in over five years because she was terrified to pick up the phone. And I encouraged her, helped her, you know, set up some leads, set up a plan to call. And I said, you have to do this every day. You have to schedule time and just dive right in and do it. I hope she does. She said yeah. she would. That's awesome. So let's put you guys in a coaching role. So if you guys um, were uh, helping manage our customer success team, and this was a common type of call. Um, you know, one of the challenges that, that we deal with is we have customers who hope that we're going to make a difference in their business, but they're not sure. They don't know. We have clients who know because they've watched you on YouTube or uh, McDaniels or somebody else, you know, prospecting. So they know it can make a difference, but they haven't experienced it themselves. And then we also have these other clients who have actually experienced the effect. So the, the major difference is the people who hope, but, but they don't know, they'll, they are way more likely to blame us um, because, because they're not certain of where the, the fault lies or what the challenges are. A lot of times people who know that it works, they've seen other people and, and automatically they're like, I don't sound like that guy. I need to get my, my scripts down. They start looking more introspectively on what is the difference between me versus them on the phone, right? How would you guys, what coaching advice could you give to our staff in working with agents who, they're, they're giving it a go, right? They, they want to try to be successful at this. Um, yeah, how would you coach the new agent or, or the agent who's, who's invested with Red X, but they're... They're trying to get some success. They want to get over to that experience category. Um, what advice would you guys offer? So two things. This is something that I actually did the very first week that I picked up the Red X before I started prospecting areas that I really cared about. And I talked about this with, with Justin this morning is one of the primary reasons why realtors are going to fail with cold calling or door knocking or any method of prospecting is their own script and their own ability to objection handle and steer conversation and you know drive the end result that they're looking for. So practice is really important, but oftentimes it's hard to practice with another person because it's not a real scenario, it's kind of staged. So what I did for the first week with the Red X is 
I started calling areas in my city that I didn't want to win business in. There's certain areas in Calgary that just aren't my target demographic. And I used it to practice my sales skills because I didn't care if I got the listing. So I wasn't so nervous that, damn, like this is in a community I want to farm. If I don't get this listing and I call them again, they're going to remember me. I started targeting areas that I simply just did, weren't ever going to be in my farm area. And by, by being more relaxed, not being tied to the end result of having to get that listing, I was so much more in the motion and natural with my conversation. Well, and your mindset was also, this is practice, exactly. right? Like a- anything I win through this is, is gravy. Did you end up winning business in the areas you didn't want to? Yeah, so I ended up getting business. I ended up referring it to people that were actually friends of mine that specialized in those areas, and I just took a cut of their commission. Um, but it was a fantastic way to put yourself in a real scenario, not role-playing with other people, but getting real, authentic objections. And I found that was a good way to do it. And wow. then, you know, another way is, again, going back to not to beat a dead horse, but, but finding a way to tie important metrics to it. So that they know that every call they make, they're making five bucks or something like that, right? Because a lot of people have trouble understanding the notion of delayed gratification. So if you tell them that they're going to have to make 300 calls and they might get one appointment or they're going to tell you that after you get that appointment, it might take three months to close them, that is really hard for people to grasp, right? Just because it's so far and it's so much effort to invest. But if you're able to say, look, you know, it, it might not be the most glorious thing, but every time you pick up that phone, you're going to make 60 bucks or every call is worth five bucks to you. That's something that they can intuitively remind themselves so that you guys, the blame's not on you. They're reminding themselves constantly like, okay, okay, I just got to get through it. This call is another five bucks in my pocket at some point. Those are metrics that can really help motivate people after they've gotten the practice by maybe targeting a a community that they're, they're not overly thrilled about. That's awesome. What advice would you give Heather? Again, if, if you've got agents who are calling in, they're asking for advice, they want to be successful with Red X, they've paid the money, but they're, they're clearly calling out for help. What, what type of advice would you give? So again, when I started, I had never cold called before. And so I remember the very first time before I hit dial, I was just sitting there thinking of every possible scenario that was going to happen when I pushed dial and I was just overthinking it and it was stressing me out and but once you hit dial you're in it and so I think that would be my advice is don't overthink it and I love what you said get the real experience just call that's how you're going to learn talk to people get the real objections so when you go into the office in the morning have your have your stuff ready the night before have your leads ready that you're going to call the night before so as soon as you get in the office hit dial Don't think about it. Don't try to figure out what leads you're going to do because you're going to talk yourself out of it. So just come prepared to the office. Don't think about anything. Hit dial and get going. I think that would be my biggest biggest piece of advice. Yep. I've got something that really helped a lot of the younger agents that started cold calling under me, um, which was understanding objection in the sense that A lot of people, especially people who haven't prospected that much, they take objection and rejection very personally. And what I had to explain to young entrepreneurs and realtors in terms of cold calling and door knocking is you simply just don't know what happened 
that day to the person behind the door. Because for me, I never cold call someone and say, hey, are you looking to buy or sell a house? The answer is no, 100% of the time, I guarantee you that. So my script is predicated on providing value. So intuitively, I truly believe that when I'm calling these people, I'm providing value to them. So if you're getting an objection or a rejection, you should have the confidence that that's nothing on you. If you're solely trying to provide value to someone and they reject you harshly, that's not your fault because you don't know if that person just lost their job that day, had a death in the family that day, had just simply had a really bad day. So a lot of people tend to take rejection personally and it demotivates them and, and really deflates their ambition. But if you can tie it to the fact that you're doing something good and if they have a negative reaction, that's on them, not on you, it really helps them kind of move past and say, okay, you know, sucks to be in their position, but on to the next one. That really helped keep people pushing when they started going through the trenches. And, and are you saying that you, you feel like some people, they're approaching cold calling completely, almost like I'm about to inconvenience these people as opposed to, look, your house hasn't been sold in six months and I'm calling to help you find a solution. That difference in mindset can be you know, you, major in terms of the outcome. 100%. If you go into cold calling or door knocking and intuitively believe that you're soliciting, because I get a lot of people saying, Mike, I don't want to go door knock. I feel like I'm soliciting or I don't want to cold call. I feel like I'm annoying them. If you feel like you're annoying someone soliciting or doing anything negative to them, that is how you're going to be perceived because it's going to come off in your tonality. It's going to come off in every single part of your script. But for me, I deeply believed from the bottom of my heart that if they are going to sell, I was going to do the, the best of my ability to make sure that they had the best experience. So I believed that I was the best person for the job and that I could provide more value than anyone else. So whenever I picked up that phone, that's how people perceive me is they actually would openly tell me, you seem genuine. I came across people when I was calling and knocking saying, we weren't thinking of making a move at all, but you came with so much energy and excitement and put the little bug in our ear that we actually might want to. And they ended up doing that. I helped, I think, seven people last year sell that never even considered making a move at all just by getting in touch, but coming with excitement and energy, showing them that I was having fun on the journey. And I think a lot of people have that, you know, need to go through that paradigm shift of, if you don't believe you're providing value to someone, no one else is going to believe you're providing value to them either. So you need to go through a big mindset shift and believe the service that you're offering to other people. For people in our support team, I, I mean, do we feel like that sometime is the problem? Can you ever sense when the customer is hesitant, hesitant to make the calls because maybe their mindset is in the wrong place? I'm going to inconvenience the, the people I'm calling as opposed to I'm calling to help. Do you guys... You guys see that a lot? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's an awesome thing. If you sense that to sort of say, hey, look, uh, you know, the question you should ask yourself, are you calling because you're trying to inconvenience the person? Or do you think it would help them if you could help them sell the home? And if, if maybe that gets them regrounded and questions those beliefs a little bit, that's cool. Um, what other questions? Do you guys have any questions you guys can think of that you would like to ask these two top producers as, as uh, yeah, related to some of the challenges we deal with as we're on the phone with agents? So for me, I was always using the 
Bisbos, because we don't have expireds in Canada, and the dialer. So those are the two bread and butter for my business. But we're about to test you out with the for rent by owner, right? So yeah, I'm going to be giving a shot at the, the for rent by owner, and then hopefully some of the, the other stuff we've talked about will come into the works <laughs> and, and do that. So there's, yeah, it's definitely been a foundational part of the business. Okay. Honestly, everything. And it's funny, because after we got into real estate, I had a conversation with Kent, and like, how do how do real estate how do real estate agents do real estate without this product without any product I don't get it because um, we call I mean we use everything and I think expireds old expireds are my favorite lead typed call um, but I mean we use it, we use it all there's not one that we don't use so I always joke around like I could be such a good salesperson for edX because I truly believe that it works. And I don't know how any agent is doing real estate without this product. I really don't. So let me ask your question maybe in a different way. If, um, again, in Canada, it's a little more limited. But if somebody came to you and said, look, they got expireds, they got FISBOs, they got for rent by owner, they got geo leads, they got pre-foreclosures. Um, but I got a limited budget. Where should I start? What, what lead would you start them on and, and why? I would say expireds. 100% expireds and uh, oh man, that's a hard one because I why expireds over fizzbuzz I example. love expireds and maybe it's funny because if you ask agents some agents will love fizzbuzz and hate expireds and others will love expireds and hate fizzbuzz I think it's because I started with expireds and I just I grew to love them because I was just like they're probably the meanest one so I'm just gonna learn to love them and I did and I am, I'm a driver, so I'm very much, I just want to have a conversation and be done. And I feel like for sell by owners, it's, it's a longer process. It's a longer conversation. Expires are more to the point. Um, but I would say expires and FISBOs because they're both active in the real estate market right now. And for rent by owners, they're, they're in the real estate business right now. Honestly, all of them. I like them all. But expires okay. for, for sure. Okay, does anyone else have any other questions, things you'd like to ask in the back? Yeah, I was just curious, like, what your uh, morning routine looks like, and, like, how does that affect your, like, your work habit and, like, your uh, daily habits? That's a great question. Um, so mine is a bit all over the map right now just because I'm working on uh, two different startups. But when I was actively, you know, prospecting on a daily basis and continuously using this and, you know, now I'm coaching a lot of other agents to use the Red X and, and Prospect, but um, I used to get up at 4 a.m. and still do every day, and then I would go to the gym. Um, I would have what I call as a power hour, which I used to get done all my social media at between 8 and 9 a.m., um, and that way I would use it as a tool, not a toy. So I don't have notifications on on my phone at all. Um, I find a lot of people use it as a toy and get caught up just scrolling endlessly and not using it as a tool to get business. Um, so I'd get that set of the side, um, and then I would start my prospecting at 9 a.m. And I would start prospecting, and usually I would do it in two different sessions. I would do it at 9, and then I would do it from usually about 5 to 8 p.m. It were my two windows of prospecting. The afternoon was kept open for... Um, for sort of meetings and things like that. But the morning is, you know, Tom Ferry likes to say it in a way where it's almost like a slingshot, right? If you if you work out, you meditate, you have your cold shower and, and you have your miracle morning, um, but also get your to-do list done and you gear up to start prospecting. By the time you've finished your prospecting, you've 
you've basically pulled the slingshot back to the point where you can let it go and you can skyrocket through the rest of the day. So I think the morning, the morning should be solely dedicated to building up your momentum and doing all the things that suck first to the point that it's given you an opportunity to, you know, race through the rest of the day with a lot of positivity and, and ambition. But Okay, so I want to mix the two questions a little bit and just say, okay, so if somebody calls into support and says, yeah, I'm really nervous about prospecting, um, you know, I think tomorrow's going to be the day, what advice would you coach sort of a, a typical agent on, on, hey, well, if, if tomorrow morning's going to be the day, let, let's talk about how to get you wound up on the slingshot so that when you start placing those calls, mentally you're in a really good place. What would be, you know, the you talked about gym, would there be script training? What else would go into that right before they pick up the phone? It would go script training and market data analysis. You know, you look at public speakers and the reason why they're so good at speaking is because what comes, what they're speaking about comes natural. The problem that a lot of people have with cold calling is that they aren't familiar enough with the information that it doesn't come natural to them. So it's almost scripted and they struggle when they get caught in a bind or they get pinched in the tongue, right? So for me, one of the things that I used to do is I would only call areas that I knew everything about. I knew the most recent sale, the most recent listing, and I would know the data so much to the point that when we were having conversations, if they started steering the conversation in a way that was outside of what I wanted to do, I would pull it back using some sort of interesting data that would capture their information or attention, sorry, whether it be, you know, a, a new listing just down the street for them or a sold that just sold for 99% of list price in two days. I would know so much about the, the neighborhood to the point where even though I was a brand new agent with no sales experience, they thought I was the master of that community. And intuitively, they started trusting me more, thinking that I was a value-added resource instead of somebody trying to solicit their information because I was giving them and giving them and giving value to the point where they saw me as a hub of knowledge to them. So doing market data analysis, um, I used to only target areas that had very high turnover. So I knew that there was going to be sales. So picking the right community is just as important because for us, as you know, that, you know, FISBOs and expires are limited in Canada. So we had to target specific areas and we target areas that I knew were going to sell. Um, so just briefing yourself with enough knowledge and practicing your scripts to the point where you didn't, you no longer had to think about it. And that's, that's when I really started seeing a big shift in the natural flow of the conversation and being able to, you know, control it instead of being controlled by what the client had to say. So you said something that gave me an idea, and I don't know if, if uh, this works or you, you've done this or not, but um, if you're talking to an expired, again, a homeowner who's been on the market six months, uh, didn't transact, they, they've pretty much always in a frustrated state. They didn't list their home not to sell it, you know, typically. And so um, if you can talk knowledgeably about other comparable transactions that have successfully sold in their area and, and give them reasons why, does that, have you ever used that as a lever to help win that listing? All the time, because, you know, using your example of expireds, which we can't do up there, what what we could do is look at which properties expired and either call the community or door knock the community. Right. And what I would do is I was always studying that community. And as soon as I came across that one address, 
I knew every single thing that went wrong with that property so I could speak to them with knowledge to the point where they they felt like I was the only person that could get the job done because I knew exactly what went wrong previously. So studying is always the king. You know, just as Heather said, it was fantastic ways is 90% preparation, 10% execution. And mm -hmm. a lot of people do it the other way. They think, oh, you know, I got to wing it anyway. I don't know who's going to answer. So who really cares? And they just start dialing. But they're so unprepared that as soon as someone does pick up, they panic, they mumble up what they're trying to say, and they fail. But if you prepare to the point where you're ready to execute and you can think on your feet naturally, that's when you're going to start to see a huge shift in your results. So, Heather, you kind of were the pick up the phone and just start dialing, which is awesome on day one because most people, that's the biggest hurdle they got to get over. But if you were coaching a new agent now on how to start right, you know, and uh, jump into prospecting, how would you coach them to prepare and, and do that the right way? So... First of all, find the scripts that you want to use. We have scripts that we use and that we love and study them. Again, it's kind of like what you were saying. Read through them so you get to know them and um, so you're not mumbling and different things like that. But again, I'm the type of person that if I don't just do it, I'm going to talk myself out of it. And so that's why for me it worked to, like, yeah, I've looked over the script. I've seen the script. But if I didn't just dial, I wasn't going to do it. And so I had the script in front of me and I was reading through the script, but you also have to practice the script outside of prospecting. So yeah, I prospected, it was all mumbly, whatever. And then when I would go home, Kent and I would role play the script or I'd role play with our coach or someone else in the office to get better. You have to, you have to practice in order to get better. And so outside of prospecting, I was working on it. I was reading through the script. And our coach, she would have us write down the scripts from memory. And then we'd see how far we could get on the script. And then we'd study the rest of it. And then the next time, see if we could go further, just to really ingrain it in our minds so we were prepared. I've got one, one tiny quick thing to say is, one thing that actually really helped me was adjusting the script in the sense that I was using Tom Ferry scripts because that's what a lot of people recommended to me. And, and I was looking at the Mike Ferry scripts but not every line in those scripts was natural to me. So what I did is actually through practice and trial and, you know, doing my own thing, I was able to basically take their scripts and reword it in a way that sounded natural to my personality and myself. I still got the same point across. I still hit the main talking points, but it came out naturally to me because sometimes those scripts can seem scripted when somebody is rehearsing them. But when it comes out natural based on how you actually talk and how you actually feel, I geared mine much heavier towards, you know, providing value versus much heavier towards getting contact information the quickest. And by doing that, I saw, I think it was something like a 300 something percent increase in my conversion just by creating my own scripts. Awesome. So I have a question I'm going to let you guys think about for a second, and then I want to see if there's any other questions here. So... Um, if you were to complete this sentence, again, if somebody in Red X grabbed you in the hallway and said, look, I just wonder if we're really making a difference, if Red X is making a difference, how would you, how would you respond to that employee? How would you say to them, no, Red X makes a difference by doing this, you know, or something like that. So think about that. Is there 
Any other questions from our staff um, that you guys would like to pick their brain on? Dallin? self-motivated um, and that's really really tough and I feel like that's more of a natural thing for someone who has a driver personality right but that's just not something that everybody is um, how would you say is one of the best things that you've found to become more self-motivated um, and really help yourself become engaged but motivated to continue to do your job especially when you don't have somebody looking over you and telling you what you do or not to do I think personally for me it was always about tying tying it to your why or your end goal, right? And reminding yourself, like one, you know, two things that um, I've always wanted to do is um, retire my parents, buy my dad an Audi R8 and get them a retirement home in Tuscany. Um, so I've got some lofty goals and I was able to do one of the goals, um, but I... Does your dad know that that's your goal? So one of, you know, <laughs> he... He always wanted a, this was one of my best YouTube videos. He always wanted this carbon fiber road bike, but you know, never wanted to invest that money in himself. He was putting my sister through school. And, and, uh, so in my first year of real estate, when I, um, blew past six figures, I said, you know, instead of treating myself to anything, cause I don't like to buy myself stuff. Um, I'm going to surprise my dad on Christmas day by buying his dream carbon fiber road bike. So I bought it in Calgary, flew it out and surprised him, uh, documented the whole thing, surprised him on Christmas Day, him crying, seeing the bike, motions went crazy, because my goal as a young kid was by the time my dad turned 60, I'm going to buy him this bike. And I was able to do it in my first year. Primarily, 50% of the deals I did came from listings from the Red X, um, but it allowed me to get this bike from my dad. Um, and going through that year, when I was dialing, when I was knocking, I knew that by the end of that year, I wanted to buy this $3,500 bike for my dad. And so I tied myself to that why. So when I, when I didn't want to call, when I didn't want to talk to another damn person, all that I remembered was trying to imagine what my dad's reaction was going to be when he saw that bike for the first time. And that was enough to motivate me through anything. That's awesome. I agree. I was going to say the same thing. It comes down to your why. Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through calling people? And once you figure out your why, it's going to make it easier. And another thing is having a vision board, having it somewhere where you can see this is why I'm doing it. This is my goals. This is what I want for my family. And so if you can visualize it and see it, it's going to make it a lot easier while you're prospecting to see this is exactly why I'm doing this. It's awesome. Um, any other questions that you guys wanted to ask him? Yep. Uh, yeah, Bryce, next question. Um, did you guys have to experience any kind of personal growth before you started seeing, uh, I guess, fruit of your labor or any success in real estate, experiencing personal growth first? Yeah, definitely. For me, you know, as mentioned, being in an engineering job with no sales training and, and no idea of what to do or, you know, even as – Going back to social media, for example, you know, I was so anti-social media, it wasn't even funny. I didn't have any social media accounts before getting my license, but I knew that it was relevant and I knew that I had to do that in order to stand out in a modern way. So in order to get comfortable doing video, I used to set out my real estate textbooks. I put a GoPro on top and for 30 minutes a day, every single day for six months, I recorded myself 
trying to do a video. And it got to the point where after six months, I could finally upload my first YouTube video. And that was a, a big growth aspect for me because I was so uncomfortable in front of camera that I couldn't fathom other people watching me. And uh, that it really took a lot of personal development to be able to call people, get rejected, go out and put myself in door knock and realize that they're going to slam the door on me and create video content. And that was a huge motivator, um, which opened up a world of doors now to me just by becoming comfortable with that. I am still getting personal growth through this. I don't think I'm ever going to stop growing by being in real estate. And I think it's because in real estate, you don't really have someone who's telling you to, I mean, you have people, accountability partners, but someone who's telling you, get on the phone and make your calls. No one's sitting over your shoulder saying, oh, you have to hit 30 contacts, you have to do this. Um, so a lot of it is you personally have to be motivated to do it. And with Kent and I, I think where we're married and we're trying to do a business together, we've had a lot of conversations of, okay, let's start from square one. How are we going to build a business? How are we going to grow? And you just kind of have to be vulnerable with yourself and with, I mean, Kent and I trying to figure out how to be the best that we can be in this business. So I think you're never going to stop growing in real estate. Okay. Blake, you had a question? Yeah, I'm actually just curious on a personal level. It sounds like neither one of you had a real estate background growing up. I'm in sales. I talk to a lot of agents where it was a family business, right? Grandparents, parents. Well, sure, I'm going to do real estate because that's what my family's always done. What did each of your families and sets of friends kind of say or how did they react once they knew you were going into real estate? Heather as a friend and Mike as somebody who went to school for a totally different realm, spent a lot of time and money, education, to become an engineer. Yeah, did anyone say like, dude, you were an engineer? <laughs> so not only was I an engineer, but all of my uncles, my dad and my sister are engineers. So you can imagine how after going through that, how they felt, you know, I, it was really interesting because in my city, it's an oil and gas city through and through. And when I got into real estate, my parents supported me. My parents kind of knew that I had bigger aspirations than following that structure. So they were supportive and they knew and they, they were fine with that. A couple of my uncles questioned it. Um, the friends is a big one. Friends is a really big one because we're in a town where the majority of people become engineers to do oil and gas. And when I quit, I, you know, when I moved to Calgary, I, I was going out every Friday night, every Saturday night with the same group of people. And the day I unveiled that I was becoming a realtor, I stopped getting invited to every single party I was ever invited to. Not only that, when I wrapped my car in purple, um, even though it was a tasteful purple, um, they, you know, they started saying all kinds of stuff. And it really, it really helped vet who really supported you and who didn't, right? Because true friends are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And oftentimes, you know, when you're conforming to the norm, they were telling you what you want to hear, that you're just a great friend, you're doing this, you're doing that, whatever. But the ones that truly want to see you grow and achieve what, you know, your ultimate dream life, are going to tell you what you need to hear. And that's that was a big paradigm shift. And then, you know, after seeing a certain amount of success, all of them have come back trying to, you know,
become a part of my new lifestyle. Um, but it was really hard because in a time where I felt like I was taking a leap of faith, like it was so hard for me to do, I lost all of my support that I thought I had. So then it was true loneliness, right? My parents and sister on the other side of the country, uh, my friends have wanted nothing to do with me. I'm not in the city, so I've got no industry friends. So I was dead alone. Um, but it was, it was a tough transition. But now, through meeting new people that are in a new walk of life, that are not in real estate, but are also ambitious other people in different lines of work, I've now created a new sphere of people that are the most supportive, dedicated, will bend over backwards, give you the shirt off their back type people. And it, it allowed me to grow as a person. And I found that maybe I also just outgrew those other people, which is fine, right? And, and you're going to realize that over time that will happen. And there's, if they can't grow with you, there's no point of you holding yourself back from that. Um, I think my parents' reaction was, what, really? This is what you're going to do? <laughs> so, I mean, they, they were concerned, especially when Kent was going to be getting in it as well, and both of us were going to be doing it. Because, um, I mean, my dad, he's very much a, a successful businessman, and so when he heard real estate, he was just really concerned it's all commission. And so they were a little concerned, but now they support us, and they have... I mean, we have 100% support from them, and I think they see that the drive that Kent and I have to be successful and the hard work that we're willing to put in has made them understand that this is a good, a good business for us to be in, and they've seen me grow just in every aspect of life, kind of what you talked about, through prospecting and doing hard things. They've seen me grow in that, so it's been really good. Any questions or other comments you guys want to ask about? Yeah. I just had a quick question asking for someone of just kind of some of the tools that we offer. Um, like one of them is like folders. We have filters and folders. And one of our questions is just how have you properly used folders? Is that something that, is there anything that you've done to use that as a useful tool for you? Okay. So folders, I've used it, but it's not something that I use a lot. I've used it for GLEADs. Um, I've used it for, I'll call specific months um, for old expireds, and I'll put them in a folder. But, I mean, that's not something that I do a whole lot with, honestly. Let me ask another question. Um, so, you, do you have all the lead sources? Yeah. And do you prospect all the lead sources? All of them, except for, I don't do pre-foreclosures. Okay. Ken's called pre-foreclosures. So, out of curiosity, what is your call order when you prospect? Like, so, do you yeah. call expireds and FISBOs? Then mm -hmm. what order do you go in? So expireds, very first. Because you can call expireds and be the first agent to talk to them. They might be mad because you're calling early. But they're not going to be nearly as mad after they've talked to 10 agents. So call them first. Um, and then our hot leads. Hot leads, talk to them, try to follow up with people. Which those are past leads you were talking to? That Those are people who are most likely could sign a contract within the next 10 days. Okay. So hot leads from there. Um, FISBOs. I don't do FISBOs as much as I should, but FISBOs and then we'll hit for rent by owners and then GLEs. Okay. Any other questions? Um, okay. So if somebody at Red X caught you in the hallway and said, 
is what we're doing here making a difference? Um, or does what I do make a difference? You know, how would you respond to that? Yeah, it's made all the difference. I, I can promise you I would not be in real estate if it wasn't for RedX. And that our business relies on RedX. So we wouldn't have a business without you or without RedX. So it really is, it's everything to our real estate business. So yeah, you are making a difference. In one line? No, you can. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, um, so yes, I would say the Red X is a dependable system that, that gives me the control to grow my own real estate business in the sense that you guys have built out a rigid, dependable back end and platform that I truly can depend on for when I need to grow my business. I have one system that allows me to scale it knowing that I'm going to get results. And I think... There's not much else out there that allows you to do that. It's awesome. All right. Well, if there's no other questions, Curtis, did you have anything else you wanted us to run through? Okay. Okay. Well, could we give them a huge round of applause? Yeah, and I just... I want to thank you guys. Um, we've loved having you both come out here. Again, our, our thoughts are with Bracer, who's not doing too good, I guess, at the moment. But um, anyways, uh, yeah, we've just appreciated you guys coming out. It's such a, a pleasure for us to sort of connect with our clients, understand what, what makes you guys tick. And our desire is genuinely to help all of our customers create a sustainable business. We recognize it's a tough business you guys are in. And um, I think you guys are just both great examples of hard work and grit and pushing through to help see great results. And that makes us happy because we want to see people be successful on our platform. So thank you for everything you guys do too. Thank you. You know, you guys have treated us like absolute gold. And I think it's it's incredible to come see the dynamic of the office because, you know, sometimes when I'm up in Canada, I don't know that customer supports here. Right. I, I don't know that you guys aren't. It's uh, not in India. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know that. And yeah. so to come here and put a face to some of the names and to see the culture and the interaction and the positivity that's just brewing in this place gives me a new perspective and appreciation for everything you guys do, because it's like a family. And when you know that you're working with people that care this much about each other, as well as the growth of the company, it gives a newfound respect for the company itself. So to see, you know, the offices and how you guys interact with each other is incredible. And I think it, it again, gives you guys that personal, credible touch over any of the other competitors. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up. I'll turn it back over to you. And then if there's any... Um, if you guys want to find these guys in the hall here before we race them off, maybe you can say hi. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you one more time. We appreciate you coming. Uh, an update on Racer. It was his appendix. He's getting prepped for surgery. Um, I think he may be watching. So um, I think we should get everybody up here and wish him well. Because if he's watching on the GoToWebinar, at least we can tell him uh, good luck. And what are the okay. chances? It wasn't us. Okay. <laughs> you know. Okay, why don't we all gather around here real quick?
Hey everyone, I'm here with Racer. If you can hear me, oh, you, see you are. And, uh, thank y'all so much for lifting me up. I come up here and I got the Utah boys. Y'all trying to push me? No. Thanks for having us. Okay, well, Racer, uh, hopefully you can see everybody here. Can you see us waving? I can, yeah. I can oh, man. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll just say two things. Number one is uh, you're in our thoughts and prayers right now. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're sorry that this is so unexpected. But, um, yeah, we're all thinking about you. We, we wish you could be here right now, but we'll get you back another time. And um, two Sundance and the dinner last night, that was not what caused this. <laughs> so, no, we wish you luck, and we're super, uh, yeah, you're in our thoughts and prayers. So let's everybody give them a cheer. Hey, racer. Better. All right, man. I love y'all. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. Thank Thanks, everybody.